Sports Podcast, presented by the Columbia Daily Tribune. Hello and welcome to another Mizzou Sports Podcast. My name is Eric Blum, joined by uh, Tribune Assistant Sports Editor Kevin Grayler today. How are you doing, Kevin? Doing all right. Glad to be on. Yeah, first time we recorded one of these in a little while now. Uh, just for record's sake, I think these will be the two voices you hear going into football, going into basketball uh, this coming year. Uh, I'll be taking the reins as the host, as the the former Danny, uh, and Kevin is sitting in the Cam seat. Uh, I, don't, I don't I don't think we'll be hearing the high pitched uh, laugh that Cam used to do all the time, but you'll be hearing us kind of breaking down Mizzou sports as we get into the new school year. So, for those who don't know you, uh, I, I guess Kevin kind of go into a little bit about uh, who you are and uh, what brings you to Columbia. Sure, you know. Uh now, now I've been here at the Tribune for oh, the better part of eight months uh, in, in a role uh, serving as, as night editor, but now uh, with some changes in the midst right now as, uh, as we kind of restructure this summer looking uh, toward the coming year, uh, taking on uh, more of a role in sports. So uh, yeah, like, like Eric, you touched on, you'll be... Uh, You'll be doing a major load of, of covering Mizzou, and yeah. uh, for this podcast, it's kind of a new era. You, you talk about uh, some uh, some great men who have been in, in these seats and, sure. and kind of have, have have held down the fort on this podcast, and uh, got some big shoes to fill. But looking forward uh, to uh, to lots of chats, and even in the summer mode, that there is stuff going on here. Uh, so. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I hosted our prep podcast since last August, now transitioning over into the college sports podcast that we do. I guess we'll start with uh, some Mizzou basketball. Uh, I got my first chance to kind of speak one-on-one with Konzo this morning for a feature that's coming out Sunday, right? Still for Father's Day. Father's Day feature. Father's Day feature kind of on Konzo. What makes him tick? What makes, you know, his thoughts beyond basketball important and i had that chat with him this morning uh overall it, it really seems like it's he's so passionate about the game of basketball but yet it seems like he's equally passionate about teaching every young man who comes through the program life lessons they can use beyond basketball like they were they were his own kids i think it was a line he even said and just to hear that, I think that that's not a story we get to hear that often, especially from a major college program. So, to be able to tell that with Conzo is kind of cool. Uh, yeah, it was it was it was a really nice chat. It was a uh, it was it was nice to kind of see the basketball offices that part of Missouri Arena. Not, I guess, no fans would really ever see, but uh, it, was, it was nice to, nice to kind of kind of see that part of the program when you know games are going on there in the midst of the SEC. That's something you rarely get to see. So, definitely a nice chat I had with Conzo this morning. But beyond that, uh, we had availability with Conzo last Thursday at Lakota Coffee Company and there was some uh, some nice little details I think this was in Friday's Tribune last Friday uh, nice little details we heard and then you can kind of just see the room kind of change when uh, the NCAA investigation the federal investigation got brought up and Conzo who's on the NCAA oversight committee he's the only head coach or current head coach on the committee of the 12 or 16 members that gets 12 voting for non-voting uh, that kind of just he broke down things are happening and the right people should be held accountable especially when you were, were still learning a lot of the details of it that caused Rick Pitino his job assistance at Auburn and I think Arizona and USC maybe Oklahoma State's the fourth uh, kind of their jobs and somehow Will Wade at LSU got to keep his uh, kind of how Conzo wants just everybody to be held accountable yeah 
Um, and then as the NBA draft comes along, latest projection from the Athletic has uh, Jante going 49 to the Spurs. That'd be a pretty good fit for him. Uh, and then, you know, obviously he's the only Mizzou player in the draft system. Uh, uh, Jimmy Witt, who was the Hickman grad, was at SMU, is out of the draft process officially and now is actually transferred to Arkansas. So a weird path for him. I believe he was originally an Arkansas commit, decommitted, went to SMU and now is back at Arkansas. Yeah, that, that, that's a, a unique route to take. Yeah. Uh, so that's a story that will be written by either you or myself come this winter. Uh, Just to check in with him again. Like, like him. we do, it's kind of an annual type of deal. Where, yeah. <laughs> uh, how's how's Witt doing now? And uh, Especially yeah. now he's playing for maybe Mizzou's biggest rival. Uh, yeah. That, one that, of them, uh, at least. That takes it to a next level. Yeah, uh, for sure. Uh, being, being the kid who probably plays in the high school closest to the Mizzou's campus. Uh, Rockbridge actually might be a tiny bit closer, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, and then actually... Okongo, I hope I'm saying. Okongo, yeah, the seven-footer from uh, from Northwest College, uh, Uh, coming here originally uh, from the north of France. Yeah, just Uh, about just about an hour. what, what, what did we look? We were, we were on Google Maps today. and uh, <laughs> Trying to figure out where in France this in was. In an hour from Paris, I think. An yeah. hour drive from Paris. Yeah. Uh, so he, I'm sure he's going to just uh, just bring some some culture to the team. Looking forward just to, to getting to know him and his story. But he uh, he's going to take the 13th and final scholarship uh, yeah. for this next year's team. and uh, So that uh, that kind of rounds out who we're going to expect on the court for the Tigers. And he brings some height. Hope he'll be the tallest player on the team. It's just a matter of uh, how, how many chances he gets. We got uh, you know, on that team right now. You got Jeremiah Tillman. You got a pencil in a, at center. Now that he's yeah. he's back, he he looked toward the next level, maybe uh, eye in the pros, but decided to to stay put. Uh, and I, I think uh, Coach Martin is probably pleased about that. Just in, in in terms of this coming season, what he will bring to the table. Reed yeah. Nico as as a backup, maybe to uh, to Tillman or in the mix there. And then, and then you got Okongo, seven foot, but just he's a. Uh, He's going to be kind of a, a, a tree among <laughs> among players out there. Yeah. Uh, Mizzou got, before Taco Fall from UCF got his NCAA tournament fame, Mizzou got to see him in person. So, not going to be quite as tall as Taco where he just has to barely reach up and slams the ball. But uh, you can think that, well, like a player like that, you know, he's a very much a specialist. Coming from junior college, he's got to still be a little raw. You know, the game at, on, the, on in the junior college circuit is so... I don't want to say uncredited is so I'd say a skeleton of what you see at the NCAA level is probably the best way to put it because you have guys that come up from the junior college levels that always make impacts in the NCAA tournament the next year but then there are guys that you never hear from again that mm-hmm. had division one potential sure so it's it's very much a proving ground kind of like the G League is in the NBA but even more so because there's just more talent and so much more depth at the junior college level so I'd be interested to see how Congo kind of goes from a conference in the NJCA that doesn't really do that well is kind of in the middle of nowhere in Wyoming to primetime SEC. I think that that's going to be kind of how it goes here. He's, he's definitely a project in the works. Yeah, just, and just to see how, how much he he, uh, he can develop and, and who knows how much time he might wind up getting on the court. Uh, you know, at Northwest, uh, from from the looks of it, he did have somewhat of a, of a secondary role. You know, he, he wasn't the star of, of that team. Um, but the, the potential is there. Uh, and so it's just a matter of seeing what... Uh, what the staff here and, and what the what the team can uh, can do as far as as far as him advancing his game, and then uh, one last basketball note. You know, obviously now ba- summer practice has started. Uh, Mario, Trey, and Kobe, the three uh, 
freshman commits are all now with the team, all practicing. So, yeah, it'll be a uh, an interesting time going forward here. And uh, not too long before we start making predictions as to what the team will be doing in this winter. Uh, kind of going into some co- other coaching news now. Uh, we don't usually talk about cheerleading or the Golden Girls on this show, but it's only kind of big news when we talk about it. Last Thursday, Susie Thompson, the head cheer coach since, I think, 93, and Shannon Fry, the head Golden Girls coach since, I want to say, 99, 97, were both let go by the university. Uh, both were national championship coaches, uh, and it, it, their statement was kind of as a restructuring, kind of as making it one helm with two assistants full-time for both instead of having two full-time head coaches uh kind of came out of nowhere i mean it said, the release said they've been working on it for two years but the first time fry or thompson heard about it was the last I, week at this time i think it, i think it was um the I think thursday it was, it was thursday and it was then thursday, the, yeah. and then the news kind of got out there the following day um yeah, interesting stuff. I mean, it's a, you know, sometimes things got to happen. Sometimes Mizzou doesn't look that good, but uh, it's kind of hard to explain this one right now. Yeah, you know, I, I think there, there there must be some more to the story uh, that, that we don't know. When you think about the caliber of of coach uh, that that Thompson and, and Fry are, um, from from what we uh, have have kind of put together, it, it was very much a surprise uh, to, to each of them. At least, uh, I mean, this decision was one that. Uh, that I'm sure is uh, is kind of putting them in uh, in a spot where uh, you know they're just they're they're in a hard position of yeah. you know you put in uh, the time they did and then to have it come to an end. Uh, but again, it just uh, it kind of it, it makes you raise your eyebrow. Just like, what 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 exactly was going on there? Um, but the restructuring you got you know one one coach that's going to be over both. Uh, both entities now, the cheerleading and, and the Golden Girls, and then two assistants. And, and those two coaches that, that were dismissed are, are able to apply. Yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll just kind of see how, how that unfolds, uh, but certainly uh, kind of a different situation. Yeah, we'll, we'll keep you updated on that if anything comes along. Uh, kind of transitioning now over to Mizzou football. Uh, obviously, they haven't had any availability. They haven't had anything since the spring game. But their 2020 class is kind of rolling along. They got th- added three more commits last week, probably the biggest of which being uh, Doyle, uh, Antonio Doyle Jr. from Lutheran North. The four-star committee was the uh, of the players who had not committed anywhere yet, the highest-ranked player in the state on 24-7 sports. He was the fourth-highest-ranked ra- player. Yeah, fourth overall. The, the wide receiver from... Uh, to Smet Jordan Johnson. He was going to Notre Dame as number one. Uh, then you have Mookie Cooper, I believe, at number two, uh, the Trinity quarterback, who I think is going to Illinois. And then there's somebody, I think, going to Iowa, number three. I forget exactly who. Then it's Antonio Doyle Jr., the four-star prospect. And Mizzou has a couple guys down there as well. Uh, they added Dominique Johnson from Crowley, Texas, and Ray Curry Jr. from Memphis, kind of making a seven-person seven recruiting class. That's going to grow and grow and grow by the time signing day comes around in November, though. And as of, as of now, though, out of those seven, in the 2020 class aren't five from the St. Louis area. I mean, uh, yeah. Coach Barry Odom uh, for, for that football team is, is really kind of uh, prioritizing home of, of keeping in-state players in the Show Me State. And as far as that St. Louis area, he, he really is tapping into some of the talent pool there. And that, that's, uh, that's some, some good momentum for the program. So that magic number right now is zero. Of the in-state commits who are in Mizzou, there are zero. They're not from the St. Louis area. Seven overall, five from St. Louis, one from Texas, one from Tennessee. Yeah. That's the recruiting class right now. No yeah. one in Missouri that is not from St. Louis is a 2020 commit. I doubt it'll stay that way, but so far, 
really clamping down the borders right there in yeah. St. Louis. Keeping a kid like Jay Macklin. They had, um, I think, Brady Cook from Chaminade. They had uh, Drake Heismeyer from Francis Howell. They had the kid from Melville, who I forget his name off the top of my head, who committed a couple weeks ago. And then with Jay Macklin. And now Doyle coming in, really getting the best kids. And they, that started last year, too, with uh, with Mar- Mar- Maurice Massey coming from Kirkwood. They had uh, Jack Buford. They had a few other kids just really coming in. And so... Uh, really doing a good, really doing a good job. Not to mention, they also had Martez Manuel, the Rockbridge uh, DB, and just won state title in the hurdles, the 110 hurdles. So yeah, definitely a lot of great in-state talent coming in. Uh, but the weird thing that I found about the recruiting classes, there's st- still with the recruiting class, according to 24/7, they're the 13th in, out of 14 in the SEC, even with all that hmm. talent. With Vanderbilt being the one team that they are ahead of that right there with Arkansas they could flip-flop 12-13 with one more commit but then it's a pretty sizable lead in to, to the team's kind of 10-11 which is Kentucky I believe Auburn's actually down there right now uh and then Ole Miss right there LSU Alabama Georgia are way out in front of everybody else uh but they actually are only 37th in the country 13th in their own conference but only 37th in the country that's it's just how the SEC does things I guess uh and then I kind of wanted to touch on a couple other players locally who you could see in a Mizzou uniform. You might not. Who knows? Uh, the highest-ranked kid in the state from Columbia is Jalen Logan Ray, the Rockbridge defensive end and tight end. His dad played at Mizzou. Uh, this is why you take the 24-7 stuff kind of with a grain of salt. They rank him as the 12th best player in the state. There is no way he's the 12th best player in the state. That's like they had Martez and Nate, I think, at 19 and 21, respectively, last year. And they're both easily in the top 10. Nate's probably top 5, top 3. So... Take those things with a grain of salt, but it seems like Jalen has a lot of great offers. Mizzou is definitely one of them. He has had a Notre Dame offer, had an Oklahoma State offer, Iowa State. So definitely a lot coming from him. The second highest ranked player from Columbia is the Tolton offensive tackle, Monroe Mills. You name it, he has it, including Mizzou. He just picked up an offer from Illinois, Iowa State. He had, I mean, the Ivy Leagues have offered him. He is a smart kid, a big kid. I think 6'8", 290, just a huge kid. And the other, and then the only other kid in the top 50 is the Rockbridge middle linebacker, very much Brian Erlacher-style Will Norris, uh, ranked 31st. I think his only five power have offered to this day is still Mizzou, but I, I know he had uh, visits planned with Oregon and visits planned not, not, sorry, not Oregon, Iowa. I don't know where that came from. Visit planned with Iowa. He had a couple others kind of in the works. I think Kansas was looking at him pretty hard, so yeah, we'll, we'll see where everybody kind of goes, uh, but yeah, that's kind of how things are looking locally recruiting-wise as of right now. First day of practice is August 2nd, probably we'll have some more news between now and then media days is i want to say off the top of my head it's july 15th something like that in birmingham alabama all right got anything to add about football kevin no i think <laughs> uh i mean at, at this at this point of the year everything's just kind of gearing up toward the fall mm-hmm. um you know this is kind of the the downtime but uh august 31st correct that's uh that's the game in Laramie, Wyoming. Yeah, game the one. first game. Game one on CBS Sports Network uh, at Wyoming. And then, then there's five straight home games because then Mizzou doesn't leave Columbia until, I think, the last week of October after that. And then just an advanced look at their schedule makes you think that a, a, a strong start is, is very possible and, and, and probably as far as internally and externally, it, it sh- should be expected uh, out of this team this year. You look, they could they could really rack up some wins early on that yeah. put them in a good spot. The Las Vegas Superbook has them at 10-2 and two over under. Yeah. And that's straight off of numbers. They're favored against every team that isn't at Georgia and home to Florida. Favored in every other game. Yeah. That's 
as good as this you gotta like will ever line that. up. Yeah. That this is as good as is ever gonna line up for them. And that's kind of the hard part with the bowl ban, which I still think we could talk about that another time, but it still probably should be overturned looking at what the NCAA has done. I doubt it still will be. But, but we'll have word on that yeah. hopefully sooner than later. I actually expect that kind of to break around the Wyoming game, to be honest with you. Sometime during fall camp. Uh that's how just these things work. But uh yeah, I mean you could be looking at a New Year's six bowl, and that's the tough part if yeah, this out of all years. Yeah, I mean, they're definitely going to make a bowl. I see that the worst record I can see them going maybe about 7-5. and five. Best, probably 10-2. and two. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. think that their ceiling is probably 10-2. and two. Even that's where Vegas has them. I would take the under. I think, I think personally, this could change before I make my official prediction in the future. But right now, my thought is nine wins. But we'll see. They drop one of those either at Kentucky, home to South Carolina, one of those, in addition to the Florida and Georgia games. Uh, yeah, I guess we'll go into baseball now. Last time we talked to you, um, Mizzou Baseball was about to play in the SEC tournament. They lost their opening game to Ole Miss and then missed the tournament, uh, which was had has been a highly debated topic of did they pick the right teams, especially looking at the SEC's dominance in the regionals, so getting six teams out of the 16 to the Super Regionals. Uh it was it was kind of, it was kind of nuts. Uh, ESPN originally listed them as the second team out behind Houston, but then pulled that back and said, "Actually, we just listed them in alphabetical order." Um, so Mizzou baseball barely misses it. Since then, they we went on to the uh, MLB draft. Uh, Cameron Meisner was chosen the competitive balance round by the Marlins, Sikama by the Yankees, and there were a few other players who were chosen in, in and out there. I think in total, Mizzou had five players five chosen. Yeah. yeah, five total. I think actually two were drafted by the Cardinals, actually. Uh, and then kind of as he got more into the postseason here, TJ Sikama has picked up a couple postseason awards. I think today he was named second-team All-American by Baseball America. He had a regional award that he picked up, and yeah, he's already signed with the Yankees, so they... For sure, Sikama and Meisner, the best hitter and pitcher on Mizzou last year, are both definitely gone. Not yeah. coming back. But thank you for your services. They will not be coming back. Uh, yeah. Just to touch back on that, that NCAA tournament uh, for, for Mizzou baseball, you, you got to look just at kind of a, a missed opportunity down the, the end stretch of the regular season. That really kind of did the Tigers in. Now, you can still make the case for a well, while. They, they, they should have they been in that field. But that, that that sweep to uh, Florida, to Florida, th- those three losses in a row right there at the end really was a, a golden opportunity uh, for, for that team to kind of make a statement, say, hey, we're in no, no, no ifs or buts about it. Uh, but that that really was um, just kind of really a, a, a stinger uh, there at the end. And then the loss to Ole Miss in the SEC tournament and it's over. Um, so it was, it was a very... Uh, very much kind of a, a startling type of event to, to to lose their last five games. Six uh, of the last seven in the last five, yeah. And, and what was otherwise uh, a, a pretty re- respectable season. Yeah, there was conversation going into that Florida series, like, if this goes well and then you win a couple games in Hoover and the SC tournament, we could host You're a regional. You're talking about hosting the regional, yeah. So they went from high out altogether. Was, so let's be realistic here. That means they were high on the two line. They weren't in. High on the two line, meaning they were somewhere 17 through, through 24. And you're telling me they fell from let's call let's call it as generous as possible twenty four to out of the sixty four with five losses. That's a little hard to believe. Yeah. So, but again, those projections. What do you what do you take those for? Nothing apparently. <laughs> uh, maybe, but, maybe this is proof of that now as much as ever. Yeah, take take it with a grain of salt. I mean, Mizzou is was stone cold in. There is no doubt about that. 
maybe they weren't as close to the one line as we thought they were, but they were stone cold in. There's no debate about it. They were ranked. They had just beaten Vanderbilt. No, no if, if or buts about it. Yeah. And then five losses and gone. Mm. That and they were not impressive. They were they were they were damaging wins, damaging losses at that. So yeah, uh, and the sad part about all that is is as, as because of the postseason ban on them, they burned they burned it. So if, if if the ban is upheld, they still have to take it for next year because they played in the SEC mm-hmm. tournament. So yeah, that counts as the postseason for them. So they burned through it for one game and not the tournament. That's that's the toughest, probably the toughest pill to swallow yeah, of all. Yeah, is that you you burned it agree. for one game. It was a great team to burn it on, but you burned it. It's yeah. and that's unlike softball, whose legacy still is living on. We can get into that in a second. Um, and may have burned it for the right reasons. Mizzou baseball feels like the kind of that's got to be a, such a tough pill to swallow for them. Yeah. And then softball. So softball, last time we talked, had just been eliminated from the postseason by UCLA uh, in Game 7 of the Los Angeles Regional. Turns out UCLA didn't lose again. UCLA swept the Super Regional and then swept their way through Oklahoma City and won a national title. Uh, Oklahoma almost caught them twice. uh, I think back-to-back walk-off wins for UCLA in the uh, College World Series final. But UCLA, the only team they lost to in the postseason was Mizzou. Yeah, I mean, now if you recall that that regional championship Sunday where Mizzou had had come in uh, through the the loser's bracket after losing on the Saturday, uh, go up against UCLA again, a team that really had had Mizzou's number uh, to that point this year. And, uh, and, and Mizzou got uh, an impressive win that Sunday, but unfortunately it was a matter of that regional championship double elimination bracket having to beat them twice. And Mizzou could do it once, but not twice. No uh, one beat them twice. No nope. one beat them once. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you, 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 I guess, I mean, what do you think? Do you take some consolation in, in losing and being knocked out by the national championship, by the national championship team? I think you do. Especially uh, in Larissa's first season. That, that's a heck of a resume builder. Yeah, that's what you can take to these kids. Listen, at our best, we hung with the best team in the country yeah. by far, yeah. absolutely. And I think that next year they're going to have some holes that were kind of exposed by UCLA pitching depth being one of them. A little bit at the middle of the order there, but I overall, think there's some big building blocks that yeah. you take away, and, and overall just a positive first season uh, with Larissa Anderson in charge. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's kind of the softball news there. Uh, going into a little bit of track and field, uh, six. Mizzou player, uh, six Mizzou, I guess, athletes, some throwers, some runners, uh, made it to Austin. Best finisher, actually, we did a story on Gabby Jacobs coming in, but she actually wasn't the best finisher. Uh, Sophia Rivera got sixth in the javelin. Also, Mirelli Santos got sixth in the girls' triple jump. Yeah. So, out of nowhere, both of them earning All-American status. Uh, Gabby Jacobs still got, a, as a first-team All-American, uh, placing eighth in the discus. Look, look at the competition this year. It was just wide and away from what you got with the sophomore and junior year of fifth at each of them. Yeah. Uh, and then you also had Roberto Vilches got ninth in the high jump. And then also making it earning third-team All-American status was Georgie Nanchev, who's a freshman in the, boy, in the men's triple jump, got 22nd. And then Becky Keating from England, uh, 22nd in the hammer thrower as a senior for Mizzou. So, yeah, definitely some things to be proud of there with track and field. And now we are officially in the summer. Yeah. So I got the chance to actually cover the Blues. We can talk a little bit about that. Yeah, we, we might as well. Yeah. Uh, 
Had a chance to cover the Blues here. Games 3, 4, and 6 of the Stanley Cup. We're recording this on uh, June 10th. So, yeah, Game 6 was last night. Had the chance to see a championship victory, professional championship victory in person. Yeah, it obviously didn't end up happening. but uh, <laughs> Not quite. It just wasn't uh, It wasn't in the cards. But no. uh, Game 7, uh, still in the future as, as we record this. So, yes. uh, the, uh, the Stanley Cup final is still very much up in the air. Tied 3-3 going into that winner-take-all a game seven in Boston, and I still have a feeling the Blues are going to win. Uh, I had a feeling Boston. Was, I had a weird feeling Boston was going to win last night, but I got a weird feeling still that the Bruins going to win in seven. Well, you, you, Sorry, you think about, Blues going to win in seven. You, you think about how fitting it would be for the St. Louis Blues team to win it in seven, <laughs> to win it in a way that that is not the easy route. You know, not to take it in game six, but to to go until your, their backs are completely against the wall, and then pull through. Yeah, that'd be you great. Know, that's just how you think about how, how this team, January 3rd, sat in last place, not in, not in their division. The league. Not just in their division, but in the entire league. Yeah. And the way they have turned around since then. And, and through these playoffs, uh, it seems like as, as each series goes on, the Blues only get better. Yeah. Uh, you, you've seen that kind of consistently through each round. Uh, you, you saw that. Uh, you saw it definitely against San Jose. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the in the conference final, yeah, the the game seven this will be the second game seven for St. Louis in this playoffs alone. Uh, thinking about all the way back to to Dallas, the Dallas series, and that that game went to overtime. Yeah, yeah. so it, it, this this team has has a knack for uh, for performing in the clutch, uh, for really kind of waiting until the last <laughs> minute until you really got to get something done, yeah. and getting that something done. And so uh, I certainly. Uh, as, as close as that franchise has ever been to the Stanley Cup, there will be high emotions game seven, and um, we'll just see how that turns out. And next time we're on this podcast, we can uh, <laughs> maybe break that one down too. Uh, it's sure going to be sure going to be quite the game uh, to end that NHL season. Just from covering it, it was so weird just how much national, uh, just how much international media was there. I was expecting the guys from NBCSN and national papers and things like that to be there, but just how much media was there that did not speak English was the thing that blew my mind. There were, I think, outlets from, I want to say, Sweden that just went there to talk to Sammy Blaze. There were outlets who only spoke French in Montreal who went to speak to the French-Canadians on the team. And just things like that. I was not prepared for that. That was that was kind of sure, cool. Being sure. in the locker room and hearing several conversations going on in several languages yeah. around me. A global sport. Yeah, and then just the line to talk to Jordan Bennington. Hmm. All... <sighs> Every time I just I I am not a claustrophobic person by heart, but I felt claustrophobic in that media scrum. Just how many people wanted to see just to get a shot of him. Did he look nervous? No, he looked annoyed. To be honest, <laughs> I mean he's a rookie, not used to all this media attention, and, sure. all, and out of nowhere, he's probably if the Blues win, no matter what the score is in Game Seven, you have to think the Conn Smythe Trophy winner is going to be from either net, going to be Tuukka Rask or Jordan Bennington. Yeah. Uh, so of course, my question goes from that that quote he gave earlier in the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, you know, do I look nervous? Because for a rookie goaltender, he really has just been as solid as can be, and his demeanor really stands out to me. Yeah. Just how how cool, calm, and collected he is. Even in these, uh, even in these grandest of moments, you know, on the on the highest stage uh, in his sport, just staying composed, and that's been a big key. He's shown some rookie moments though in, in this series, and that's and that's and that's what kind of disturbed me a little bit. The second goal last night, he was he was kind of bitter that he let that in, but that was a that's a bad goal to yeah, let in. Yeah, early in the, in the third one. period, it was yeah. a it was a just a one goal difference yeah. there, and then it was two zero after that. That that was kind of a 
a, a tough one, a tough one to take. And then right after that, he makes a perfect save, stepping yeah. up on a one timer, which is would have no one would have blinked if it went in, and he and he makes a perfect save. So, but the thing with Bennington is, you know, he, he has a bad game. You think about Game Three of the Stanley Cup, Blues get pummeled seven to two. He comes back out, and what does he do? He barely lets in anything. Yeah. So the the way he's able to respond from a bad game. Uh, I, I think that that's been impressive, but certainly uh, you gotta you gotta like both of those goaltenders going into this game seven, uh, two of the best in the league, kind of yeah. playing their best right now. Uh, so it's certainly certainly kind of a, a fun development just to, to keep our eye on going into this one final game. And before we forget on this podcast, if you want to be a sponsor, we actually uh, will not play our sponsorship this week. I think those sponsors are actually now out of date. Uh, if you want to be a sponsor of Mizzou Sports Podcast, please email us at sports at columbiatribune.com. We'll get you in the right hands. If you want to sponsor this podcast, we'll be happy to hear from you. Uh, and then Before we go, uh, I, I thought it'd be cool during the summer to kind of do something a little fun. Uh, we, Carrick and I kind of talked about it last time we were on here, but uh, do a little trivia and we'll be uh, doing some more fun things like this before between now and August. So I thought I'd give Kevin three trivia questions. Uh, all things that have happened since he's been working at the Tribune, Mizzou, Mizzou Athletics. You ready for the quiz? Nothing oh. happens. Nothing happens if you get it wrong. But I thought I. I Let I'd me try you, my best. All right, the easiest question. Okay, because you have a fifty percent chance of getting it right no matter wrong. It's over or under. Attendance at Mizzou at Florida eighty thousand. Over or under. Mizzou at Florida. Mizzou at Florida football. Football. Eight, football. 80,000 people at the Swamp. Over or under? Now, this was a big win for Mizzou. Uh-huh. That was the probably the Barry Odom job-saving win, yeah. for sure. Yeah, and really one of the defining moments of the season. Yes. I did not have the privilege of being there. Uh, Daniel Jones and Hunter Dyke covered that game for us. I watched it on TV. It was on ESPN. I can tell you that. Um... You know, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna do some some analysis of this question here for okay. the sake of, of you posing this question specifically. Um, you know, you, you think of Florida as as one of the um, one of one of the the large SEC fan bases, mm-hmm. uh, but with all due respect to Florida Gator fans. I just have this hunch that since you're asking me this question, it might just be more of a surprise. And I, I might be surprised hmm. at, at under, but I'm going to go with under. You're saying under? Under. It was over. It was over. It was over. It was 80,017. I found that funny. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> All right. So, okay. what, I'm, I'm 18 people off. I'm you're sorry. 18 I, people I, off. I, I must have miscounted during <laughs> halftime. Maybe somebody went to get I thought a it hot was dog. Funny. Or... Okay. Well, here's the actual first question. I'll give you two questions. One <laughs> basketball, one football. Here's the actual first question. I was looking at the uh, – I was because it was the, probably the biggest win with Mizzou bat, uh, program has probably had in your time here, I'd say, the Florida win. So, who was the leading rusher from Mizzou in that game? You want me to give you choices? Yeah, let me. Well, yes and no. Um, well, they had the three-man rotation. Yeah, it was one I'm gonna. Of those I'm three. gonna. I'm trying to think if this was the breakout. Uh, was it Tyler Beatty? It was not Tyler Beatty. Was it Demari Crockett? It was Demari Crockett. Demari Crockett, 117 yards in that game for Mizzou, the leading rusher. Okay, and the actual one that took a little bit of research to research, Mizzou men's basketball. So, obviously, Mark Smith led the team in three-point percentage. Who was second? Mark Smith was first. Mark Smith was first by a good margin. Who was second? Give me three options for that one. Jordan Geist, Xavier Pinson, Mitchell Smith. I'm going to go with Xavier. Xavier was third. Mitchell Smith was second. Mitchell Smith was second. 
at about 420 because he took uh, 24 threes all season, made 10 of them. Xavier Pinson, I think, hit about 30 of his 90. So he was third. Wow. Yeah. All right. Jordan Geist, I think, was actually fifth or sixth. I think I just struck out, huh? Uh, Yeah. It's okay, though. I mean, I I wouldn't have gotten DeMarie or three-point percentage. I would have said over for sure for Florida just because that stadium is about 100,000. So 80,000, that means that it's... Was, was about 20% empty. I would have I gotten that. But, yeah, so we'll play some more Mizzou trivia. If you got any questions you want to ask, we'll probably do some sort of that every time out. But, yeah, unless there's anything else you want to talk about, thanks for listening to this week's Mizzou podcast. And, uh, yeah, we got to figure out a sign-off, Kevin. Yeah. We'll figure, we'll, we'll figure that out. <laughs> we'll get that by next time, huh? All right. Well, thanks for listening right. this week. We will talk to you sometime soon. Subscribe to Mizzou's Sports Podcast at iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher.